We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rob Doster here. I got Jeff Goodman with me. Hell no. John Fink. Are we still live? Feel the 68 till I die. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out. Randolph Children. DJ Khaled. You know the big DJ Khaled guy? Hands grow up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Tasker. You're going to beat people straight up. You know the deal. Drink responsibly tonight. I'll be drinking with you. Jarrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid majors. This is Feel the 68. After dark. Hello and welcome to the Monday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Doster. I have Doug Gottlieb with me. I have Chris Mack with me. And I am finally back from a trip across the Northeast. I was at Ed Cooley's return to Providence on Saturday. I was at UConn's demolition of Xavier. Sorry, Mac on Sunday afternoon, and now I am home enjoying Big Monday with two of my favorite people in the world of college basketball. We have a lot to get to here. It's going to be a Monday Overreactions podcast. We are diving into some of the crazy stuff that happened in the world of college basketball over the weekend. We got to talk about uh, this Houston-Texas game, which is a two-point game with less than two minutes left, and Duke went on the road and picked up their best road win of the season. Before we get into all that, I'm just going to say it right now. I'm not getting into everything that happened today for reasons that are not mine to share. It's not anything legal. It's not anything like that. No one's getting in trouble, but you guys will find out eventually. It's just not my place. All I'll tell you is this. Sometimes your thumbs get the best of you. Sometimes your emotions get the best of you. On to Duke. So the Blue Devils go in to Blacksburg. Hey, that's it? Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You You guys own basketball Twitter today, and that's what you give me? I'll I'll explain. Rob, let me let, let me, hold hold on. I I, I got understand, but let me let me just share something, okay? As a guy who lived in the Northeast for twelve years, twelve years, okay. And so, like, this is going to sound a little complicated. Give me a second. The whole college basketball thing doesn't work unless you have the Northeast, okay? It just doesn't, right? The Big East being back and UConn being in it, and being relevant, that changes the whole dynamic of the sport, okay? Having tournament games in Madison Square Garden makes the, makes, the, makes the sport. Having St. John's back makes the sport. But let's also be honest, okay? And Matt probably won't say it because he's going to be a head coach again very, very soon, right? <laughs> but I can say it. I don't know if I'll be a head coach or not. It doesn't really matter. Okay, <laughs> Rob, you are the exception to the rule, okay? I'm not saying there's not douchebags where I live. I live in Newport Beach, California. There's a high ratio of douchebags, but very different kind of – they're more USC football douchebags. They just are. Okay, and how they act towards USC football is the way how some of those people act towards Syracuse basketball, UConn basketball. They they didn't invent the sport. Okay, the sport was invented by a Canadian, okay, and they didn't invent it. But there's a a, a negative anger energy that again is great for the sport. Great, and I thought that Providence for the most part on Saturday like contained it. They did a good job of prepping for it. Okay, but I think some of it, and again, I don't know all the details, and I don't actually care about the thing you're talking about. I'm only telling you that I have no doubt that the people behind it who are triggering all of this are in that high percentage of douchebag ratio, guys, that we as non-Northeasterners think that's what's like every time I go to Providence. That's what's time I, time I go to the Dome. That's what's like when I go to Hartford to watch UConn. That's what's like when I go to the Garden, right? You're just a bunch of a-holes. Like, 
you're allowed to cheer for your team and boo the other team and talk a little talk a little trash, but you go overboard. And that's by my estimation what took place. Trying to get dudes fired, trying to get guys canceled, like that's douchebag stuff. Let's just talk some hoops. All right, let's get into it. The Duke conversation. Blue Devils go on the road, 77-67 win over Virginia Tech. It is their first quad one road win of the season. They had two other road wins. They were not quad one wins. Jeremy Roach off the bench, 16 points, four assists. Played 29 minutes, looked like he was healthy again. Mac, how how big is it to be able to go on the road and pick up a road win like this in a place like Blacksburg, a place that you have coached, and you know how difficult that can be? I mean, it's huge. You know, Duke's had their struggles there. You know, this isn't, uh, you know, a place that they just sort of check off the box and say, we're going to roll in and into uh, Blacksburg and get a win. You know, what impressed me about Duke was just thought all of their guards, uh, Caleb Foster, maybe not quite uh, the level of the other guards, but I think all their guards played well. When, the, when their guards play well, I don't mean one of them. I don't mean Jeremy Roach has a good game. I mean, Proctor plays well. Jared McCain plays well. I think Jared McCain can play even better. Uh, when those guys, and he was ACC Rookie of the Week this past week, mm-hmm. when those guards are clicking, and Filipowski is such a tough matchup. You know, Virginia Tech changed ball screen coverage about three or four times during the game. Mike Young doesn't generally do that. But when they're slipping Filipowski into the mid post or at the foul line um, on hard coverages, and he's such a good passer. He's a, he's a great finisher. Um, he shoots nine shots, fourteen points, eight rebounds. That's a big. That's a that's a really good win for Duke. Um, really good win. I think when their guards play well, they've got a shot to maybe jump in that race with Carolina this weekend. It's going to be huge, obviously. Yeah, Doug. That's the that's the big question, right? Like, uh, how good is Duke actually? They came into the season; it was them or Kansas as the preseason number one, and obviously have not quite lived up to that. How good are they, and how good that can they actually be? Uh, I think they're good, um, and I think they can. I think they can make it to the Final Four, um, and I think that part of it is you have to get all your pieces back in order to absorb those roles. And I think it kind of organically is working itself out in terms of the roles. Right. Like they know who their go-to guy is. And then mm-hmm. Flip, as, as I, I think Mac pointed out, like he's actually really unselfish. He's not a pig. So you can, when he's double team or when he slips and catches the mid post, he sprays it to other places. And I think they're getting there defensively. You know, uh, Virginia Tech's a very different cover than say Carolina or some of these other teams. They run a million sets. They're all good. And they spread you out and they, you know, they flare you, they curl you, they do all kinds of different stuff. And you have to be super disciplined, not just in your coverages, but in talking to one another, which is the hardest part for college kids these days. They don't actually talk to each other. They text or snap each other, right? But you can't do it on the court. Um, So I thought there was a great amount of defensive discipline, especially considering some of the younger players they're playing. And they do a good job. Like Padula couldn't get a good look. He was 0 of 6 from 3. That's that's how you have to be Virginia Tech. you got to limit their quality looks. And then you got to expose them athletically, defensively. They're not great, but they they do help very well. Um, so I thought coaching wise was excellent. I thought rotation wise, you had eight. They all played within their roles, and I kind of think they're figuring themselves out. Are they a Final Four team right now? No, the tournament doesn't start today. It starts in March, end of March. So um, I think they're actually progressing quite nicely. As you know, the injuries have really helped them play. Uh, Foster and McCain probably more than they would have played that early in the season. And it's a lot like UConn, right? Like UConn probably benefits from Klingon being out as long as he was out. It gave them kind of a second sort of gear, a different sort of way to play. And I think the same things happened for Duke. So um, them and Carolina are very different. Carolina's older. Um, I don't think Carolina has nearly as many options to beat you off the bounce. Um, but they're, I think, a little bit more mature in how they space and spread it. But they don't have the bench of Duke. They don't have eight guys that can score. Doug, let me so, ask you I mean, this, and Mac, I want you to weigh in on this too. So the whole thing about North Carolina becoming this like top three, top four, you know, number one seed kind of a deal has been that they've made this this growth on the defensive end of the floor. Right? They were a problem defensively. They were they had a problem defensively the last two years. They are a problem defensively now at least according to the metrics mac we'll start with you Do, are you buying them as a defensive juggernaut because to me that's the biggest question with north carolina 
Well, I wouldn't call him a defensive juggernaut, but I think it starts with them being connected. And, hey, we all know that last year they weren't, you know, and, and uh, it's not because Caleb Love was the issue. It's just it's an issue with all those guys on the court in the locker room. They didn't mesh. You know, defense is, is two things. It's effort and it's scheme. And I don't think Hubert Davis has changed his scheme a lot. And you're going to get great effort when guys are connected. Guys feel like on the offensive end, they're sharing the ball, you know, and, and I think Armando Baycott sort of leads the charge. You know, he's 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 being really unselfish for a guy that, um, you know, has had a lot of accolades throughout his career. He's played a national championship game and, um, you know, he, he, he's he been an all ACC guy and he's not he's not trying to you know, whine when he doesn't get the ball. He, he's not crying about how many touches he's getting. At least on the surface, it doesn't look like it. He looks like he's happy. He's They're winning. They're going to him when they need to go to him. And um, I think when you're connected on offense, it shows on the defensive end. But I, I, they're not a juggernaut defensively, Rob. Doug, go ahead. Uh, Carolina is not a juggernaut. Chris Mack is 100% correct. Um but they just do what they're supposed to do. That's it. It's really, you know, and, and you know, he's got the benefit of having Kadu at this age is he's been able to kind of mold him. And now he's giving him a little bit more freedom offensively. And the kid is really well coached. So you're good at the point. You know, you got a combo who can really guard as well. And then the other two, and, um, you know, you got older players. You got a kid who played, you know, four years at Notre Dame who's just, He's not great, but he's just solid, tough, smart, knows how to play a help oriented man to man, understands assignment. And then uh Harris Ingram's good. He's a good defender, good solid. He can really rebound. You know, so I just I, they're not going to suffocate you. They're not gonna climb into you. They're not gonna do what Houston can do, where they can just embarrass you and hold you to forty five points if you don't know what you're doing, right? But what they'll do is they're gonna be there for every shot, they're gonna be in position to box out. They're a lot more physical than North Carolina's reputation is. And um, I think it's a great way considering outside of, you know, one guard, they're really a jump shooting team. And then obviously you have a big guy who can score in the post. So they're not really an efficient offensive team um, in terms of drive kick. You know, they just kind of play and it's fairly open and they run a couple of sets and, um, but defensively, they're really good because they're just really solid. And sometimes that's all you need. And I, I just I was I've seen them in person, I've seen them on tape, and I've talked to other coaches, and and most of them say the exact same thing. Like there's no real tricks to it. You know, they're not doing what Coach Williams would do where you trap out of every out of the first time out of every half. You know, they're not they're not tricking you, they're not pressing you. They just play really good defense, know their roles, know their assignments. And based upon personnel, they're guarding ball screens a certain way, and they're they're tough. I think that's the big thing, right? Like, Mac, would you say defense is about two things? I think it's effort and scheme. And I don't think he's right. changed his scheme a whole lot, but I think they're giving a lot of effort, and they are physical. Doug's right on the physical part. Uh, Harrison Ingram, I think, really brings that to the table. And, you know, they got experience. And when guys have experience and they're connected and, uh, you know. Well, that that's the other yeah, thing I would say. I would say it's those two things, and then you got to communicate as well. Communicate and brings in connectivity. Yeah. And you and you just you don't get that with young players unless they're really, really well coached or they're really advanced. I think Kadu is really advanced and he's been well coached, and then the others are real. Uh, they've been in it, so that's yeah. honestly, Rob, that's what you get most with older players. Like, there's a downside to it because guys get to be seniors and. You know, they get the voice in their, they get the voice in their ear, right? You got to get buckets to get, make more money. I'm like, look, dude, if you're in college and you've been there for five or six years, like, just go and try and win games. You're like, this is the best it's going to be. But the, the point is that those guys really just do what they've been taught, and they've all been coached by good coaches, right? You're talking about it's one thing to get transfers. It's another thing to get a transfer that played for Mike Bray. You got one that played, you know, for, for Jared Haas. And then, you know, you have – other guys that have been there multiple years, and so they understand their scheme. But the the thing about the toughness element is that is a huge thing for Carolina. They were not mentally tough in any way last year because they couldn't get along with each other on offense, 
And then if you can't get, you're never going to be figured out defensively. You start pointing fingers anytime somebody gives up a bucket. Yeah. Mac, I, I do just want to ask you real quick on this. Um, you got North Carolina. We got Duke. North Carolina's got to play another game before that game happens uh, over the weekend. What? How difficult is it? We call those trap games, right? It's a road game before a big conference game. How difficult is that? And how real is this whole trap game narrative that we talk about? As you can see, the odds right there for the uh, the ACC title, courtesy of BetMGM. I mean, it's real. <laughs> you know, a lot of times the, the the buzz that you have in your stadium and your arena just isn't the same. You know, you'll start to get students that will ask you about the game on Saturday when you have a game on Wednesday. The student newspaper will ask you about the game on Saturday when you have one on Wednesday. Players will show up. Nobody's in the stands. You know, it's just uh, – it's different. Guys know who's on the schedule, but – you know, generally veteran teams, guys that have – or teams that have older guys um, are usually better at handling that. And obviously the coach has to address it, but, you know, that, that's only going to go so far. It's got to be the mentality of the team when they show up, um, what the season means to them, not the game. Yeah, listen, we just talked a lot about the ACC. We have the number four team in the country, Houston, playing. We'll get to the Big 12 next. As you guys know by now, we've partnered – with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops, odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. 850s maybe. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Monday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. We are here sweating out the Houston 
Texas matchup it is 66-65 with two minutes and 30 seconds left in overtime. My name is Rob Doster. We have Doug Gottlieb. We have Chris Mack. We are live on SiriusXM Channel 84, and we are live over on Stadium. Guys, we're going to get into our overreaction segment here while we wait for Houston and Texas to finish up. Can, can, I'm going to start can, with- I got, This is a really good segment, okay? And I, I don't want to self-contain it. I want to ask Chris Mack questions. It's a really important one, okay? Okay, do it. It's a real Fire one. Away. Okay. I watch Houston play. And they got freaking dogs. They just got dogs. They have competitive dudes that just like, I want to take the basketball from you, and then I want to shove it right up your, you know what. Like They got dogs. And when you played at X, and when you coached at X, you had a high percentage of dogs, right? And some of that can be taught, right? It's one of the things that we miss out on college basketball, the transfers. Like It's really hard to get guys to buy into culture and really absorb it when they're there for like six months. But my question is more in recruiting. Like, when you see kids play in an AAU event, um, and, or maybe, yeah, AAU event, because it's easier when it's on college, it's on tape, you talk to your coach and everything. How do you know if, like, because you fall in love with the effort and the intensity, but, like, there's still, like, you got to have a skill element to it. you got to be able to play in the ACC or in the Big East. How do you balance that in your head when you're watching the kid? You're like, I love him. He's a dog, but can he be a dog at our level? Like, that, that's my question. How do you, how do you evaluate that? It's that? hard. It's hard, man. It's it's really hard. I think you got to ask as many questions to as many people that are around the kid. I think you got to get your eyes on him as much as you possibly can, see him in his best moments, see him in his lowest moments, and then you've got to make a judgment call. And um, you know, so often, you know, recruiting gets tied in around the, the how many stars a kid has, Doug, and you know that. And uh, you know, there, there's there's pressure on coaches to to make sure their fan base is excited about who's coming in, but. You know, sometimes guys come in and nobody knows who they are, and those those become your dogs. You know, and it's uh, it's it's a crapshoot. I mean, kids play enough that you get to see them, but it's it's not just about their playing ability. It's about their competitiveness. It's about when stuff doesn't go their way. Uh, it's about you know assimilating themselves into a team and to a culture. And I think that's obviously what Kelvin does at a, at a very high level. When those guys walk in the door, he's going to put the bubble on top of the rim. And they're going to they're, they're going to shoot an offensive rebound until two and a half, three hours of practice is over. But, uh, you know, it gets ingrained in those guys. I mean, you can't just get dogs and expect them to go out there and, you know, win games with that type of culture. You have to practice it. You've got to breathe it. And uh, certain coaches do it better than others, man. You know, I want to I want to follow up on that, because I think my one. If there is a concern for me with Houston, I want to put this into context for the people that yell at me about this stuff. Houston's the top five team in college basketball. We're we're picking nits here, okay? We're talking about the difference between them and the other four teams in the top five. But if if I have a concern, it's that they can kind of get into this tendency where they rely a little bit too much on that toughness and on that defense where they say, okay, you know what? Sometimes we're not going to worry about whether or not we got shot makers or we can run some stuff because we'll just get enough offense off of turnovers and off of offensive rebounds. And I feel like that's a little bit a risky proposition when you are dealing with other teams at the highest level of the sport that are going to have that same level of athlete to a point. Does that make sense? Like that's that's kind of my one hesitation with going all in with Houston with the context that I know that they've won like 33 games the last five years. In the last four tournaments, we're talking Sweet 16, Final Four, Elite Eight, Sweet 16, right? They're very, very good. Every, I kind of feel like there's a little every, bit of a ceiling. Yeah, but every style has its kryptonite, right? Every superhero mm-hmm. has its kryptonite, right? Those teams that shoot 30, 40 a game, there are games in which you go five for 30, right? <laughs> teams that press, there are times with the reason nobody presses is because there's going to be teams that throw it up shoot a three and make you look really, really bad. You know, uh, Wisconsin, when they went to back-to-back Final Fours, right, they played really – they played pack line and they uh, they played kind of level of the ball and flat hedges, and they made you make jump shots. Well, they lost to Duke in the Final Four because Duke jumped up and made jump shots. So my, my point is there's a weakness to just about every style, and I understand what you're saying, Rob. You're not wrong. There are games in which you're like, damn – this is because they don't run a ton on offense. There's not a go watch the scatter report. There's not a bunch. It's just like, hey, they run a couple of sets. They are really good players. Then the, the real fight starts when they shoot the ball. Right. And then, of course, when you're on offense, holy cow, that went in and won. Um, 
So yeah, mm. when you go all in and you're just going to defend and rebound, that's a that's a tough. There's going to be one night in ten that it's bad. You know, when they got blown out by who was it? Uh, Iowa State on the road. They just couldn't score. Um, you're going to have nights like that. But I, I would say that if you look metrics wise, it's almost always you get out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament when you're one of the elite the elite defensive teams. Almost never get upset early. Now, it does sometimes limit their ceiling in getting to the Final Four because, you know, NCAA tournament games are really tight and, tightly nego- uh, uh, officiated. But I would say it's just like superheroes. Everybody has their their um, their fatal flaw. You know, right, let's talk the about the top of the Big 12. Go ahead, Mac. Go ahead. Finish up. I'll just say real quickly, one of the things that, that makes their, their defense, their rebounding so elite – is because they're not a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. You know, they're not also trying to be great at out-executing you. They're also not trying to be great on the fast break and, and, and trying to spread you out. You know, I, I think they're fortunate, and then they got a guy like Jamal Shedd that can go one-on-one and create his own shot. And with that, they don't have to necessarily be an elite offensive team. But their identity is going to be what it is, and it's going to be an elite identity because – they know who they are, and they practice that way, and they drill it, and they drill it, and they drill it. I mean, like, look, this this last possession, the, the game is seventy all, okay, seventy all, and they're they're face guarding LJ Cryer, right? So you're taking him completely out of the, out of the play, and Jamal Shedd kind of goes one on one, might have pushed off. I like that the official <laughs> swallowed the whistle. Yeah, might have, might have. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I don't know, like Tyrese Hunter took a dive. Like, are we really gonna change a game like that on a dive just stand up yeah. anyway misses the shot but they get an offensive rebound kick it out throw it inside get a layup and now they're up two points like i mean chris coach i mean we want i used to watch cincinnati for years like what are they running like who cares like their offense is throw it up and then go fight for it that's it <laughs> and have tougher dudes and then kick it out and shoot a three and then if you miss it do it again um so uh, it, it's it's not for the faint of heart, and it's not a style that I think I would excel in. I like the, the defense and the fight, but it's – there's a lot of mud there on offense, but it, it works. I mean, it works. Yeah, I, I watch enough I watch enough of your tape, Doug, to know that you would have been really good at the uh, the throwing it up and missing. Missing part? Uh, not for, <laughs> yeah. Not good at getting the offensive rebounds part. Um, all right. I, let's just – while we wait for this game to go final, and there's 32 seconds left, Houston's up by two in overtime. I do want to ask you, one of the overreactions that we had uh, this week involved Texas Tech and Iowa State. This is the worst start that Bill Self has ever had in the Big 12. Kansas is four and three right now. Houston is sitting here at five and two. Could end up being five and three by the time we actually get into this conversation. Um, Texas Tech is six and one in the league. Iowa State is five and two, and they've beaten Houston and they've beaten Kansas. Mac, do they? Can either of these teams actually go out and win? Like that's my overreaction. I, as I think that both of these teams have a real chance to actually go out and win a Big Twelve regular season title. I, I do too. I don't know if I would put money on one of them. If you said, "Hey, I could have both of those," I think it's a pretty good bet. You know, it's not like they've played a terrible schedule up to this point in the Big 12. They've played, you know, five home games and, and two road games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always think in the back of my mind, hey, Kansas is Kansas. But I, I look at who, who they played this past weekend when they lost to Iowa State. Their minutes from their starters, 38, 38, 38, 35. And the only guy that didn't play 30 minutes was K.J. Adams. And he was foul trouble the whole game. Like, they, they, they don't have anybody off the bench. I, I just don't know how you can go through a Big 12 season, win a championship, when you're only really playing five and a half guys, you know. And so I, I think they have a real shot, Iowa State or Texas Tech. You know, I think all those other teams have warts just as much as they do. And, you know, it's about staying connected. There we go, Houston. But, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think you're crazy at all. Thoroughly. Um, okay, so I'll give you my – no, no, I, I, um, I, I'm with you, Mac. Right, They got two points out of their bench on Saturday. That's, that's, that's just not going to do it. Uh, the good news for Kansas is Furphy's starting to play. And so all of that sure. investment, now they, have, now they have five guys that can score on offense a little bit. That, that changes things. And um, what's the kid from Towson's name? God, uh, Nick, um, Nick Timberlake. Timberlake? 
yeah. I mean, it hasn't been good yet, but I mean, I think you're just still holding out hope that can you find a lineup that he can come in and get you some buckets? I think if, if I was advising Bill, I would find a way like you got to get him going because you got to get some minutes off the bench. And of course, you know, they lost Alterio Morris for the season. That killed him because otherwise Furphy's off the bench and Timberlake's off the bench. And now you bring a little bit of young firepower or whatever. There's still probably a guy short. So I don't think to your point, Mac, I don't think they win the league. Um, no matter how much they, they'll probably win every home game except for like one. Um, I just, I don't think they're going to win the league, but the like tech survived K state at home. They're okay. You know, they're, they're, they're good. They're just, I, I don't, I think Houston and Kansas fight the league championship and there'll be probably one other one. Maybe it's Iowa TCU. state. Iowa state's really good. Yeah. But TCU, like how Oklahoma state should have beat them. And, that, you know they're okay. Um, I think there's a lot of really feel, good. I feel, yeah, that's how I feel. Like a lot of those guys in the middle right now. There's probably not a national. Like Houston might be their best chance to win a national championship. Maybe, maybe Kansas again. I'm I'm just you got four and a half guys in Kansas. That's really hard. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, what about but what about a, this? Texas it's an unbelievable league, huh? Well, let, let's talk about Texas real quick because it is 74 to 70 with three seconds left. Max Aismas is going to line, I believe, for three shots. So if they can pull yes. a Colorado State and, and Wyoming here, then they got a chance to uh, to send this thing to another overtime. But um, are, are you – where do you stand with them? Because I feel like when I watch them, they have enough talent to, to make a lot of things talent. happen. Yeah. They, they uh, have enough talent. And they showed tonight that they got enough fight, but, like – You've got to be consistent, and, and that is not what Texas has been all year long. You know, they they were crowned a top 15 team to start the year, and they haven't played like it. You know, I think that uh, they've had really good moments, and then they've had some very uh, confounding moments. And I think when you're like that, you're not going to win the league. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, with, I'm, with Mac. I'm with Mac. This is more of a return to normalcy for Texas predating Chris Beard. You know, last year was like more of a beard team. They were older. They were tougher. They couldn't really score. That was their problem last year is they had a little bit of the Houston thing. Um, and, like, I love Aismas, but, um, you know, he's – last shot he got blocked. I, I, don't, I don't think he's the problem, but I don't know if he and Hunter are great in terms of coexisting. You know, that, that would be – You know what, you know what Doug? Question. I love that you made that point because if you look at North Carolina right now, they have two little guards, right? And it's kind of the same thing as Texas. They have two guards that are about six foot, six one. And I think it works for North Carolina because they have very clearly defined roles, both of them. Elliot could do is the statue up guy. RJ Davis is the shooter guy. I don't know if you have that at Texas. Listen, when we come back, we're going to talk about the end of this game and we're going to dive all the way into the overreactions that I have from the weekend. Big news, guys. I am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with Autograph a company founded by the GOAT himself, Tom Brady. The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to the best college hoops content, fan contests, and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets, all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do, following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one. When Tom, and yes, I am calling him Tom, we're on a first-name basis these days, co-founded autograph he had one mission in mind change the fan experience for the better it works like this you get all of your college hoops content you want in one place you get articles from your favorite writers pods from your favorite hosts contests from your favorite creators all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy but instead of having to go to all these different places it all comes to you in one spot the autograph fandom map But here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up and status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68. That's F68. Or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. It really is that simple.
Welcome back to the Monday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark as Kansas and Texas goes final. Houston wins 76-72. to Your boy bet the under, and that thing died a painful painful death uh we would have we would have uh covered we would have we'd have hit the bet if it ended at 65 65 um in uh in regulation but that is not how basketball works so here we are houston beating texas 76 72 i feel like we covered all the ground we needed to cover on houston and texas in that last segment so i do want to get to the overreactions here and this is going to be a fun one i need to go to chris mack first on this one a healthy donovan Klingon is the most important player in the Big East right now? Well, I mean, I'd say yes, but UConn was pretty good without him. But <laughs> I think Borzello had a tweet. But he played yes. 35 possessions against Xavier on Saturday. And in those 35 possessions, there it is, Xavier scored 12 points. Just so people have in perspective, like if you're an elite defense – you're you're probably around 0 0.80 points per possession. That means every possession team scoring eight tenths of a point. And the fact that they're that low, and, and Xavier doesn't have right now, you know, big guys that maybe they've had in the past that can score the ball around the basket. They've got some young, um, young foreign kids, but at the same time, man, he he is so big, and he is so imposing. And, um, yeah, it's probably pretty accurate, man. I don't think that's an overreaction. Yeah, Doug, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with this because we have another stat as well, too, that shows his impact on the game. Um, UConn's defense with Donovan Klingon on the floor held Xavier, sorry, Mac, to 18.8 effective field goal shooting percentage and three for 23 on twos on the game. Xavier was four for 14 on shots taken from within one to three feet from the rim. That data is from cbbanalytics.com, uh, a subscription site that you can sign up to. He's, I, I call him the Great Wall of Bristol. They call him Kling Kong. He's just, he, he erases everything in the paint when he's right. And I'll tell you what, yesterday, after having a week off to kind of get into shape and lose some weight, he looks right. Yeah, it changes everything. It, it does. Uh, when you have that type of rim protection and you can do it without fouling as well. And let's be honest, right? The biggest change in basketball in my lifetime is that officials have gone from talking about verticality to actually allowing verticality. Okay. So let me, and Rob, I, I know you know it, but I don't know if you know it to the like core of it back when Mac and I played officials come to your practice before every season, right? The two things you get before every season in college basketball, when I played at least, and I played two schools, you got the FBI, they would come in and warn you about gambling, and they would show you these pictures and tell you these stories, and you're like, oh my God, I'm never gambling on anything because I don't want to owe anybody like that money. And then the officials come in and they talk you through, they officiate a scrimmage usually, they sit and they talk you through new rules. And every year they would talk about verticality, right? Were you from the tip of your toes to the, fingertips all the way to infinity that's your space and you have this space no it never worked if you were a guard you drove in guy puts his hands up you just jump into him you get a foul well now they actually allow big guys to maintain their space and not block shots and clinging is so good at it he's big he's he's like athletic enough where he gets in your way he doesn't you know drop the hands too much they give you like 20 degrees so it's not just the block shots. It's that he's just a presence. So now you're taking floaters, you're taking middies, and it also allows the perimeter defenders to like salivate. Like I can get up in you because we want you to take middies or those floaters over his hands. And then we go rebound and we get out and run. So I, I think that part of it is like everybody looks at block shots and there's with, with high level analytics, you have quality shots. Right? Like you're not getting very many quality shots with Donovan Klingon defending the rim. And I think a big reason is his use of the verticality rule. And I think the verticality rule has completely changed, especially how college basketball is played officiating. Yeah. Well, and I think he also has that impact on the offensive end because when he's rolling to the basket, he, totally I, different. I don't know if there's a better, totally is different. There a better like everybody runs, 
every everybody runs the same stuff as far as ball screens, right? You either ball screen and lift the backside or you empty the backside depending upon their coverage, right? And if you can put a really good shooter and you got to read, does he tag, does he not tag? But when you have a guy you can just throw it to and he can find a way to catch it and put it in, changes everything. Makes you look like a way better coach. Like, man, that offense looks really good. Like, it's the same <laughs> offense. You just have a guy that can catch and dunk it. All right, so we just talked about UConn, who uh, is currently the number one team in college basketball. Now we got to get into Purdue, who was the number one team in our fielding the 68 bracketology bracket that was released uh, this afternoon. Purdue is playing Wisconsin on Sunday, and I know we're overlooking a game that's going to happen in the midweek. Coach Mack, please do not yell at me for doing that, but I will say this. My overreaction is that if Wisconsin can pick off Purdue at home on Sunday, that they will be in a position and that they will win the Big Ten. This is what they have to do. Get that win and hold serve against everybody else. You're going to have a two-game lead in the conference if you can pull it off. Is that crazy? Is that a is that a hot take? Is that an overreaction? That ain't overreaction. I just saw Wisconsin in person on Friday. Uh, A.J. Storrs, good, and he totally fits what they need. Without him, they're just Wisconsin, right? Big-ass white dudes, guards that can post, bigs that can shoot, solid. He had 28 or 27 on Friday. And I'm telling you guys, like, you know how some guys, they're scoring and they're working and they're sweating. Like, he just kind of plays out there. It's really kind of easy to him. So when you look at their schedule, I think they only play Purdue once. They only play Michigan – maybe they play Purdue twice – but they only played Michigan State once. They played them at home. Um, so it's not a balanced schedule. And, you know, Purdue's caught a couple L's. It's not crazy for Wisconsin to win the Big Ten. That's not a crazy overreaction take. Not, uh, not at all. You know, I mean, you got – that's a really old team. You know, I mean, how long has Chucky Heckburn in that been there? Tyler Wall, five years. You know, they're I mean, they're just um, – they're, they're good, and then they have a dude who can go get buckets on his own, break off of what they want to do, and that changes them incredibly. Mm-hmm. Mac? No way. I don't think they have any chance of beating Purdue uh, for the Big Ten title. And they do play them twice, Doug. In fact, the last game of the year, Wisconsin has to go okay. to Purdue. Uh, I, I just – I think Purdue's different. Doug saw him in person, so he probably knows better than me. But uh, I, I just I, – I'm not there I, yet. I, Mac, Mac I, lo- I love them. Like, they play so freaking hard. Um, uh, but, you know, again, like, if you can limit his looks, Edie's looks, and they have enough bodies to throw at him, like, they're just kind of okay. And, um, like, I love – I like their their threes and fours, you know, especially, you know, first is a guy who I like. And um, I, mean, I like all of those guys. But they – if you look at I'm, – I'm not really – I don't really understand the Doster-Goodman small guards thing. Like, it's college basketball. you got to have two small guards. got to have ball handling. They just get to have the right ones. they got to fit together and they got to be tough and share the ball, right? Um, but I don't love the matchup there with how they play in terms of three perimeter players. And so is lawyer going to guard store? I don't know. Um, I I don't love that matchup. And then look, Braden Smith's a good player. He played great. Did he play yesterday or the day? My Saturday and Sunday go together. I can't remember. Did he play Sunday or Saturday? They played Sunday. Yeah, he played played really well. Yeah, and I know Rutgers not great, but they're they're hard to play against. He's a hell of a coach. And he he played well. Um, and I don't love Checky Hepburn, okay? But again, you've got grown-ass 23-year-old man climbing against a true sophomore. I like it a little bit more than, than you like it, Mac. Again, and I don't think – I think one of the big things that we have to remember is it's not a true round robin. You don't play everybody twice. And if you catch a team at the right time – like if you caught Illinois and they had – they didn't have Terrence Shannon or right now before Terrence Shannon's up and going again, that's a lot easier win than it is when they got him back. And sure. um, so I, I'm, I, I think there's a better chance than – I was looking at that when I was doing the game. I was like, could they turn around and win this league? And I'm with you generally, but remember, Wisconsin – okay, so here's their schedule. They got Purdue coming up next, right? That's at home. 
That's Sunday. So they got to, you know, after they, they have Nebraska. Now, you can't turn around and lose Nebraska getting ready for Purdue. And Nebraska can pop you, and they play a totally That's different style with a hard game. Tuesday, Thursday night, and you got Sunday, you got the number one or two team in the country. It's a hard game. Then Michigan, Rutgers, Ohio State. God, Ohio State, what happened to them? They stink. Oh. Um, they go to Iowa, Maryland, at Indiana, Illinois at home, Rutgers. Like, there's not a lot of L's in that schedule. If they can split with Purdue, they can win the league. Yeah, these two. All right, so I here. Like last time. Go ahead, Rob. No, I was just going to say, so here's where I need to bring up Volta because Volta is an app that allows you to participate in daily cash prize pools mm -hmm. without an entry fee. It is a place that you can store your own predictions forever by using the Volta Challenge feature, and you can prove you're smarter than your friends. So go download the Vaulted app for a free trial. V-L-T-E-D is how you spell Vaulted. Challenge your friends, store your predictions, join daily cash prize pools. Here's what I'm saying, guys. I'm saying that Purdue is going to go in there and win. So this whole conversation that we're having is going to be moot by the time that we get to about 3.15 p.m. on Sunday, which is, by the way, the first Sunday where we don't have NFL football during the college basketball season. It's going to be a ridiculous weekend of hoops. We have four top 10 matchups. But I'm saying that in this top 10 matchup between the top two teams in the Big Ten, Mac, I'm going with Purdue. Yeah, I'd go with Purdue as well, Rob. Thanks for the analysis, Mac. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> I just think they're better, man. I also think that, like, it's going to be a tough week for Wisconsin because Nebraska isn't like, you know, that's going to be a hard game for Wisconsin. That's a hard game. Now, look, you, and you drop those two, now all of a sudden you're behind Purdue potentially, whatever. But if you can – I mean, the craziest stuff is, like, again, if you just win your home games – and then, yeah, if you can beat Nebraska, find a way to beat Nebraska. You got, you got a shot. You, you win your home games. Got to beat Purdue on Sunday. That's actually – it's a weird one where that's probably more important than, than beating Nebraska. You win them both, probably win the league. If you win one out of two, you got a shot. You win one out of two, like, nah. Well, <laughs> you got to get the one that's at home. Because, I, I, look, if you go on the road, if you're relying – Plus you're beating Purdue. Yes, to go on the road to beat Purdue in Mackey Arena on Zach Eady's senior night, like that, you're not winning that game. Like, that's not happening. They're going to win that game by a million. It's Mackey Arena. Mm -hmm. That place is going to be rocking. Does Zach Eady come back for another year? Uh, who knows? He could have a super senior night. We're, I know. Like, can you imagine? Four, can you imagine he come back and play for another year? Yeah, listen, Might as well if you had NIL money. Hey, right? look, so, like, what do we think? Like, Mac, what do you legit think he makes? $2 million? You think he makes $2 million? If he makes $2 million, he should never leave Purdue. Go back for another year. I don't, then, I, I'm just pulling that out. But, like, I don't know how yep. he – I mean, he could. Yeah, listen, we got to a, head to a quick break. I got three more overreactions coming on the other side of the break. What's going on, guys? Before we get back to the show, I need to let you all know about the Field of 68 Daily, an all-encompassing college basketball newsletter that arrives in your inbox, you guessed it, daily. For less than a dollar a week, you'll wake up every morning to more than 1,500 words detailing everything that you need to know to stay up to date on the world of college basketball. From the notable mid-major upsets to the stars that are out injured to the breakout performances that only our team of college basketball junkies watched the daily is edited and produced by mike miller who spent more than two decades running nbc's digital written content and is subscribed by more than half of the division one coaching staffs the biggest names in college basketball media and the agents that work as power brokers in the sport for just 50 dollars for the year you get access to the same information that the insiders get and before we get you back to your regularly scheduled Field of 68 content, let me tell you guys about the Field of 68 merch store. Head over to fieldof68.shop for officially branded Field of 68 apparel. Whether you're supporting your favorite team in the student section or from the couch, there is no better way to gear up than the latest from the Field of 68. The best thing I can say about our merch is the quality of the product. Anyone that has ever worn a t-shirt knows how frustrating it is when the neck gets all stretched out and the bottom of the shirt starts looking like the bottom of bell-bottom jeans. And there's nothing worse than a hoodie that loses its snugness that makes it such a perfect way to stay warm during the cold winter weather. Whether you're shopping for yourself or for the college basketball fan in your life, everything you need is at the Field of 68 dot shop.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Welcome back. The Monday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark presented by our partners over at BetMGM. We are live on Sirius XM Channel 84 and over on Stadium. My name is Rob Doster. I have Doug Gottlieb and I have Chris Mack and we have a couple more uh, overreactions from the weekend that we need to talk about. I want to start with this because I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation. Um, I put out a list of eight teams that can win a national title based off of uh, historical trends with Kempom metrics um, last week. One of those eight teams was Auburn. Auburn has since gone and lost two games on the road. Uh, they are now 16-4 on the season. They don't have a loss by more than six points this year. Um, they are also 0-3 in quad one games and have not and, and don't basically don't have a quality win on the season. So we're going to start with you, Mac. Is Auburn going to end up a bubble team this year? Is that an overreaction? Uh, yeah, I think they'll be better than a bubble team. Um, I don't think they'll be sweating um, on Sunday. You know, I, I think they're going to need a couple of these games coming up. I think they got Kentucky and Florida at home. They go on the road to Tennessee. Um, a couple other games would give them a quad win. But, um, no, I don't. Didn't they beat Ole Miss? Didn't they beat them badly? Yes. Mm-hmm. How's that not a, what that's is not Ole Miss a quad one win? That's not a quad one win. I I don't know. I I saw Auburn last week, Mac. They're good. They're good. They're good. They're deep. He plays too many guys. I don't, you know, I love Bruce and I think he's a wildly underrated actual basketball coach. Like they run good stuff. They, they play really hard. Um, He takes some erratic shots. That's kind of his, he lets him, he lets him play a little bit too much offensively. Um, I think they're too talented to be a bubble team. I just do. Um, I, I, I know there's a lot of uh, SEC teams where there's not a lot of there there, you know, and they struggle a little bit in the non-conference. I don't think Auburn's one of them. I know they had a tough week, but those are two road games. They're, they're not going to lose many if any home games. So I think they'll be fine. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at with it, right? Like they, they, they're really good defensively. They have, uh, I think, enough on the offensive end. But at, at some point, you got to beat somebody to kind of prove how good you are, right? Like the, who have they – a win over Ole Miss at home, who our, our producer Trevor says is 56th in the net. Um, okay, that's fine. They beat Texas A&M at home. Okay, that's fine. They beat USC at home. Okay, I, I got you. They beat Virginia Tech at home. All right, that's that's not a uh, you know that's a pretty good win. But they're they've got four losses away from home, and their only road wins are at Arkansas, which I don't think there's really anything great there, and at Vanderbilt. So I don't know. And Aiden Holloway hasn't been himself of late. He was, bad, he was bad against. He was bad against against Bama. He was he was just bad. Mm-hmm. And I look. I think a little bit of it. A little bit of age, but a little bit of it is like you're splitting time, and you know you get in the league and you you know you get those calls like, dude, you're only putting up how many points, you're only getting how many shots. And I just I don't love how he's playing either, but I do think that Bruce will settle that thing down. So maybe you won't, you know, two years ago when they were one of the best teams in the country, we said their guards and their sh- shot, shot selection is ultimately going to be their undoing and their guards, and their shot selection was ultimately their undoing. But uh, again, in a, in a league, that's an interesting league, right? Because it's without any question, they have the most NIL, but Arkansas is kind of a hot mess, right? I don't know what's going on there. They should be better. Devo Davis stepped away from the team. Um there's a lot of just okay, and then I think Kentucky's really talented and pretty good. Um, I think Tennessee's obviously the – I think they're the best conference team in that league. And then I think Auburn kind of fits in there in that 
Like Bama can really score, but they're not going to win on the road because they don't really defend. So I think there's they sit pretty comfortably there in that number three spot in the league, and they probably beat Kentucky at their place too anyway. All right, let's move on to the next overreaction that I have uh, written down, and that is that after road losses to Stanford, road losses to Oregon State, and road losses to Washington State, Arizona is not going to win the Pac-12 this season. Doug, I know you're a West Coast guy. I know you love yourself some Pac-12 basketball. Is that an overreaction? I think it is, and the reason is I just I can't figure out who's going to win it if it's not them. I like kind of quietly, Kyle Smith's doing a hell of a job at Wazoo, right? Yes. Nobody knows what league they're in. They lost their best player to Villanova, Bamba, and then they lost DJ Rodman to USC, and they just keep winning games, and uh, they just beat Colorado. Now, it should be pointed out that the schedule got really weird in the Pac-12 this year. Traditionally, you do travel partners, right? So you only yeah, why play. Why they change like, that? Do you know why they change that? Uh, I don't know. It had to do with. It had to be something with TV. It had to be something with TV. But they have these some of these weird one-offs, whatever. Like for them, it's just a weird. Like they, you go play Washington at Washington State, and then you play Utah, who's your travel partner. You play three in a row on the road. You know they they lose the second one. Uh, the ones that are troubling is like Hattie it for Colorado wasn't healthy when they went to Arizona, right? They got stopped by Arizona and beat by Arizona State. That probably they're undoing. Otherwise, Colorado's the team that is most likely to take down Arizona. But I just they're not consistent enough. I don't see it. And you know, Dana's gonna do his thing at Oregon, but they just lost to Arizona at home. Like that's not gonna happen. So I think by default, yeah, they're gonna I I I, I can't find anybody else going to win that league. <laughs> it's because yeah, uh, it's not because Arizona's great. It's because nobody else is good enough, Mac. Well, look, I, well, I think Colorado <laughs> at, at, Colorado's going to beat them when they when they play them at their place, right? It's going to be the biggest because they didn't have a De Silva and they didn't have the big freshman who's super talented. And you play in that altitude, and Arizona's not going to win the game. Um, but I just think Colorado's going to stub their foot elsewhere, whereas Arizona probably doesn't too many times. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this, you know, this is a conversation we had about the Big 12. It was like you could identify, you know, a couple teams that, you know, may have the ability to, you know, end up with a championship. I, I just – Arizona's right now tied with Oregon, and every team under them, I, I don't see how – I don't think they're talented enough, and I, and I don't think – first of all, talent level, I don't think they're close. I, I just – I don't see Arizona losing enough games for somebody else to just – come out of nowhere. I agree with Doug. I would think that team would be Colorado. Got a hell of a home court advantage. They got one of the best point guards in the country. But uh, Arizona's pretty good in the backcourt as well. I want to ask you guys this. Um, the situation for me, like I, I know that Caleb Love was incredible on Saturday night. 36 points, 12 for 18 shooting. Uh, probably the best game that he's had uh, for Arizona and the best that he's played maybe even since the second half of that uh, that final four game against Duke. He was incredible. Um, but to me, the key to Arizona is and always will be Kylan Boswell. When he's bad and he can be bad, Arizona loses. And when he's good bad. and he can be good, we saw him at Duke, really good, they can win some big games. So, Mac and Doug, I want you guys to both put your your yourself in Tommy Lloyd's shoes. We'll go to Mac first. If you're coaching a team and you got a point guard who's struggling like this, like what's, how do you get him right? Like, is it a confidence thing with him? And I know you don't know from the inside, but just like, how do you, how do you fix this situation? Well, I mean, I, I think you just spend time with him. You know, you watch a lot of film with him. I think, you know, if he's in a rut, obviously he played well the other day. So it's, it's not like he can't do it. I think you show him, you know, clips of when he's doing things well. You know, you, you try to build his confidence up. Put him in situations in practice, um, and then that, that's all you can do, man. Confidence got to come from within. You know, I think coach can put you in good positions. He can show you tape, but ultimately that confidence has to, you know, exude itself on the court, and it's got to come between, you know, your own chest plate. And I think he's got it in him. He's only a sophomore, um, but you're right. When he plays bad, they don't look very good, and they're, they're going to need him. He's a high, high percentage three point shooter. Um, does a little bit of everything. He's got to be able to 
hold his own down the stretch for that team to win the Pac-12. Doug? Well, it's it's interesting you bring it up because um, one of the things that I've had several coaches ask me to do is, and over the past couple of years, is hey, I got a point guard. Can you talk to him? Can you watch some tape with him? And what I tell all these guys is, you know, like we're all everybody, every one of these kids is a mercurial creature, but point guards especially, and like what kind of point guard? But I would say for me, um, they're all kids at the same level, and what makes them feel good is the ball going through the basket. It's really amazing. Ball goes to the basket and they bounce around and they play defense and they do what you want. Right. So um, there's a lot of different ways. To, and Max, right. Right. Have them watch tape, work on their confidence. We talk with somebody in terms of getting some mental health help, right. Getting some extra shots of practice, managing their minutes of practice. So they got fresh legs. Cause it doesn't matter what you work on. If they're dead tired, they're not going to do what you want. But I just try and get them going early in the game, you know, um, yep. most athletic guys get going best when you get them a dunk early, get them an alley-oop early. For point guards, get them, get them a good look. Run a couple things for them, you know? And, oh, yeah, by the way, if you sit them down and you go, like, look, man, we want to get you going. What are the best looks? And then you can also use numbers as your guy, like your best from the left wing. Like, let's run a little, throw it in, get a little flare. I want you to shoot it, you know? And the other thing is, if they're not making shots sometimes and they're turning them down, take them out if they turn down a shot. Work the opposite way of how you usually do. But I, I think the easiest way to get any player going is figure out a way to get that ball going through the basket, and the rest kind of takes care of itself. All right, listen, before we get to last call, Mac, you got 10 seconds. Toast of the night. Who you got? Oh, my God. Jamal Shedd. Houston Cougars. <laughs> go on the road. Win a big game. They're going to be the Big 12 champs. That's my go. toast of the night. Doug, who you got toast of the night? Well, I mean, Kelvin Sampson. What are you talking about? He used to beat Texas when he was at OU. Now he beats beats Texas when he's <laughs> at Houston, right? I mean, I like we hated Kelvin, but we respected Kelvin because that guy coached All right, ball. I got one for you. Uh, North Carolina Central moved into first place in the MEAC today behind 22 points from Oh Boy King. Oh. Greatest oh, name. oh, Rob! By the way, by the way, I think I think this is offensive, but it fits. <laughs> Last call coming up next.